Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And hear that sound? That's the sound of other grassroots podcasters thinking, shall we bother doing an episode now? (laughs) 2024 is here. We're here for you 52 weeks of the year and this is our 11th season and 12th calendar year in which we have broadcast to you. And if you appreciate that fact, you can show that appreciation just by hitting subscribe wherever you get your podcast or by getting more at patreon.com forward slash egg chasers where you can uh, help keep the lights on and find extra and quite often extra spicy content as well mm. i'm here in the rugby dungeon with jb hello tim who's there we go normal service resumed jb i got, got to his house and he'd just woken up <laughs> possibly after a, a groggy evening at some point this weekend yeah and he's got no socks or shoes on ready no. for only fans I spent most of my weekend just in a pair of shorts, wandering around the house. I've got the house to myself the whole week. And that's this is how you, you should didn't be, need really. the, the shops. The, the shops, the shorts could have been optional if it's just <laughs> you in your house. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, why not? And Phil, hello, hello, Tim. How are you doing? Not bad. Good. Not bad. Thank you very much. Are you ready for tomorrow and like normality and all the rush hour traffic, schools and all that jazz? I was back in work last week, but um, you're right. There was no rush hour. Yeah. Um, trains were very quiet. Roads were quiet. Um, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait to get back to it. <laughs> all right, well, hopefully this is providing a little bit of a respite from all of that. And we've got lots to talk about on this on this week's podcast. There's loads of great rugby in the Premiership, in the top 14 in the URC. Oh, no, no, not in the URC, but we've got to... Mm. The URC clubs will be back in action <clears throat> because it's European Cup fortnight the next two weeks. And there's plenty of other stories going on in rugby besides. And I reckon we'll just... just let's just... Knock this one on the head then, start this on Thursday night and then more on Friday and then a bit more yesterday. All the talk was about Owen Farrell going to Racing 92. Thoughts? Mm. Yeah, uh, I think it has to happen. That's what I think. I think it has to happen. I think England don't need him anymore. I mean, they do need him. If he's available, then they need him. He's not available, they don't need him. Right, so England stuff out the window. I've thought long and hard about Saracens and we'll talk a bit more about them later on in the podcast, but I think they are pretty much done as a force, they're on the decline now, and they're going to have to have a real large think about what they do with this squad, and maybe ripping off the plaster with Owen Farrell as the way forward. And from Owen Farrell's point of view, he's given, we like him or loathe him, and sometimes I've done both, he has put in a 
monumental shift. 15 years. For England and for Saracens. Mm-hmm. And I think he should have a change. You know, there is something beautiful about being a one-club man and all the rest of But why not go to France? Why not go to Paris and play a bit of rugby there? So I think he should go. I really do. He's going to... Well, if, if it happens, which... I don't know. I think the evidence is pointing towards the fact that, well, an offer has been made because Racing did not deny having made an offer. They just denied an agreement. An agreement, mm. yes. And Saracens have, like, you know, straight batted it. So I think it's the, the odds are on that this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or certainly, because it may be there's an offer on the table and Farrell himself has not made the decision yet. Yes. Um, but it looks like there is a very realistic and probably very lucrative offer on the table to prize him away from being the marquee player at Saracens and a f- couple of hundred K of g- guaranteed, if he chooses to, England money. Are there marquee spots in French salary cap? I know their salary cap is something like 11.5 million no, I euro. I don't think there is. And if there is, I'm yeah, not I'm, I remember looking a few years ago as so to exactly how it worked, but... I can't recall if they're no. marquee. Well, I think it's eleven and a half euros is the um, yeah, player uh, salary cap. But they also, I seem to recall them having um, a, a looser uh, regulation around the outside interest, the commercial oh, deals, okay. and the IP. Because, like in in England, anything that any money that you earn or anything that's given to you. Um, by the club or directly through the club or through the club. Like image rights. Image or, rights, yeah. yeah. So if your image, if you um, are, I don't know, I can see a packet of Walker's crisps over there. If you're doing some advertising, some marketing for Walker's crisps and you happen to wear in a Saracen's um, shirt or you were put together through, say, Leicester and Walker's, um, that would count towards now, the salary cap. Now I'm trying to think of now I'm trying to think of rugby players that could be crisp flavours puns. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I can't remember the rules of it. It's like twenty thousand pounds. I can't remember. But there are very strict rules in the in the salary cap for how this works, and the image rights do something like if you appear on a club promotion in your kit, you have to be one of five faces. It's th- things like that. Mm, so it's not for the individuals. Yeah. So. So, That's, yeah, I mean, so there may be creative ways that players can get paid a lot of money in France and not necessarily take a, a massive dent well, to the salary be, cap. It might not yeah. be creative, it, it just might be... Just yeah, they're, they're legit. legit. Yeah, they're, they're, legit, they're yeah. fully legit yeah. ways of... Um, it would be like it was back in the day when, um, when like, I don't know, I don't know if this actually happened, but, like, for example, Leicester Tigers, oh, Manu Tuolangi is doing a, a completely separate from his salary, nothing to do with his job at Leicester Tigers, but he's he's doing a day's consultancy at Caterpillar, who are paying him 300 grand for it. Well, yeah. Ma- Maru Itoji, in the Sar- Sal- yeah, Saracens salary cap scandal, he was, and in the uh, redacted version, which came out after the unredacted version, um, so in the unredacted version, Mario Toji, I think it was £90,000 to attend an event that neither he nor the organisation attend- he had- was allegedly attended, nor Saracens had any evidence that he actually attended. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I- I- I'm actually with you, JB, and it did annoy me that-, that headline from The Guardian after a really good game, <clears throat> which we can talk about, which Owen Farrell was not culpable for the defeat for Saracens at Welford Road whatsoever. Um, oh, sorry. What, well, you, what are you supposed to call it? It's not Welford Road, is it? It's uh, Matteoli Woods. Woods Welford Road. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but he was not culpable for that at all. But the whoever the Guardian headline writer wrote, Owen Farrell blunders cost 
uh, well, Saracens. So, I kind of think, yeah, just just go Owen. Yeah, he's so integral to Saracens that when they do lose, Owen Farrell does lose. Yeah, Don't yeah. Lose. But, he, but, but I, I guess the overall the point I'm making is he's not for all of the talent he has. If he were South African or Irish or French or New Zealand, that he would be revered. Oh, and I don't know. He would. He <laughs> I would. don't know. He just would. Look at Johnny Sexton. Very similar c- character. Like rubs some people up the wrong way, but Irish people love him. And in in, in England, you you get the. Uh, I mean, this podcast is perhaps a microcosm of this. You get the uh, Farrell lovers, and yes, you, you get do. some Farrellists. Farrell realists, yeah. Let's, let's use that uh, terminology. But you're right. In real Farrelteak, as I call it. <laughs> We could we could start because we've we've probably done Farrell. I, I think I just on Farrell actually. I think I probably agree with just about everything you said, JB. Mm. I think it probably, even though he is so integral to Saracens, it probably will be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, because they can think rather than having to pay that money to um, Farrell or Itoje, one of their existing stars, who to keep them there would command a marquee rate because um, in France they're worth hundred. Like, best part of a million euros, uh, 800,000, that kind of um, value. But it allows them to really think about what do they need and judging by this week and some of the games this season, they need some front rowers. They have... They, they, oh, they goodness. Are, they're trying... The penalty count against Saracens, um, for one thing, but the number of scrum penalties and just, even if it's not a scrum penalty, it's just poor quality ball... I don't know how they stayed in the game with that a scrum that was going back at that rate of knots. Well, do you want to come back to that game? Because I'd like to start with Bath Gloss just because it's fresh, fresh in my mind. Yeah. But I don't mind whatever you want to do. No, 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 totally. Let's, let's come back to it. But I just want to touch on, I'm not wanting to start a whole long conversation, but it's worth pointing out, Courtney Laws, it looks like he might be going to Provence. In, in, in Pro D2. Wow. Okay. Big Which, money. Well, yeah, also, what a lovely part of the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. With, with a young family, having spent a bit of time going around France, Provence. Aix on Provence is a gorgeous, mm. gorgeous place. I never saw, I, I've well, it not, hasn't it hasn't happened yet, but it's they they are the new front runners that have emerged. Interesting. I think Tommy Francis has gone there. Yeah, yeah. A couple of other boys have gone there, and mm. um, and maybe they're pro D two, but looking to go up. So maybe they've just given him a nice long contract, a bit of certainty. Well, and, Harrison's there and a bit of cash. Ah, okay. That makes Jimmy Gopeth, according to this list, mm. and Johnny McPhillips. Yeah. So I, I don't know the, the I don't know the why's and wherefore. Well, we'll ask him on Friday. Yeah, yeah, right. And Are we going on Friday? Are you driving on Friday? I don't think I can because Claire is at a fortieth. Right. So I think I'm struggling okay. for Friday. Unfortunately, okay. I'll, have to, I'll, I'll let I'll let Northampton say it's down gently. That's fine. Right. Leave um, it with me because I really want to go to. Go to mm. this. Okay. Okay, and. Um, uh, the other one was oh yeah I was just gonna just gonna say we don't have to have a big discussion about it but it did, the, the Owen Farrell thing did just make me think again and particularly when I dovetail it with the fact that I saw an article where Pat Sanderson was saying please we shouldn't raise the salary cap in England to six point four million you cannot have it every way you cannot limit the amount of money that clubs spend on salaries and limit the potential earnings of players when they're at the peak of their earning power. No, I don't want to say I told you so five yeah. years ago. No, no, you did. Uh, you, you did. And I, I didn't totally disagree. That I didn't really disagree then. But I, I don't like the cap rule. I think that's r- stupid because it doesn't a- account yeah. for some people that are in very competitive <clears throat> positions, late bloomers, that kind of thing. But I think if you've spent seven, eight years, like Owen Farrell has, he spent more than that, 
grafting away, doing your work in the Premiership, then you should be allowed to go. Henry Arundel, so, so that would mean mm. at Racing 92, if they're both there next year, Henry Arundel would not be eligible to play for England because he hasn't done the time served in the Premiership. Owen Farrell, who has. If, if the issue is trying to keep the Premiership a good product, then the people that have spent years doing that then deserve to go off and make whatever they want. Well... So that would be just one idea of just how Just hold that thought, because that ties in nicely with another thing which came out this week, which was the advent of a brand new mm. player agency to represent the England players. Oh, yeah. good point, yeah. So that depends, dovetails nicely. It depends on what you want to do and how strong this agency is going to be. It's called an agency, but my question is, what happens if the agency doesn't like the deal on the table? Does it then become a trade union? And I suspect it might do. And I think there's going to be some very, very strong and positive changes as a result of this. Yeah, so you sent a voice note to us uh, this week outlining what you think the potential implications of this may be for the RFU and wider, which I, I think I agree with. So do you, And to, summa- to summarise it, the England players at the elite end of the game have decided they no longer want to use the services of the RPA yeah. mm-hmm. and instead have set up a company of which, among others... Uh, Ellis Genge, Anthony Watson, and a number of other senior England players are now directors of this company that they have formed. I can't remember what the name of the company is, but they've formed it and it's going to represent the interests of the England players. So they will be sitting down and thrashing out deals with the RFU. One thing that they've now got money for that apparently the RFU were trying to hold on to is £400,000 because they got third place at the Rugby World Cup. <laughs> right, so, yeah. so this is it, okay, so this is brilliant. There was one paragraph, I think, in the Times which really solidified my point of view on this. I'd already sort of thought it through, like Emming and Oring, what it was about, but this sort of solidified it. And it said, this is a major blow for the RPA, who will now have less money to fund um, activities around the women's game and something else, other rugby activities. And that's like, that is the paragraph that seals it for me. So, yeah, they've set up... A new commercial entity so they can do all their commercial deals with the RFU and represent themselves going forward with things like the professional game agreement and everything else. It's been set up by uh, the England players, but I think it is headed by a guy who does the recruitment and bath and used to be an agent. And I don't know exactly how he's... I don't think he's an agent anymore because he does recruitment and bath. I'm not, not sure if he can carry on recruiting at bath and be in this role, but a guy called Rob Burgess. So I, I believe he's involved. I could be wrong, but I, I believe that's who will be the actual guy in charge of it. And there's somebody else as well on the agency side that will be doing that. Who was the guy that was uh, two years ago, or maybe even three years ago now, when Genge was talking about setting up the agency, or the union, whatever it was? Yeah, so that was called Player Epoch or something? or Epoch. Yeah, yeah who was, they, they were unhappy the about everyone's salaries getting cut 25% yes sort of coerced to exactly yeah, so that was um, Genge that was Greg Bateman there was a few other guys there was, there was a guy there was a third party guy who would oh god I can't remember and his name and then it sort of all went horribly wrong when as I understand it well Carling wanted to get involved and you know then the politics took over so I think this is a really mm. healthy development now I strongly believe that the England players are underpaid because the whole structure of English rugby depends upon Twickenham op- opening up. So Twickenham opens up, these players play whatever that stadium generates, plus the revenue from TV and Six Nations, that then goes and feeds the game. Mm-hmm. Now, very few other sports work like rugby. So, for instance, 
that money will need to power the grassroots game because the RFU are both a professional organisation and a grassroots mm-hmm. organisation and a governing body. All of those things combined, um, and then bits of that bits of the England men's money is taken away to fund things like the women's game and community projects and just things which they sound worthy. But not if it's my money. <laughs> well, That's equally, I'll just, I, I don't disagree, but I'll yeah. also just flip it and play devil's advocate here. The, the England players are standing on the shoulders of giants in the sense that they are, they, they are only there playing at Twickenham because the whole pyramid structure of rugby, which started from the ground up, exists. It's a very tricky argument, isn't it? Because does the pyramid really do that? I don't think it does, actually. I think what the pyramid does for England is it provides them with fans. That is true. Does well, provide- I, no, but I, I also mean in the last 150 years. They're, they're standing on, on the very top, and they're very fortunate to be standing at the very tip of the pyramid of what has been built. I mean, you might argue... Yeah, you might argue that actually it's been built through the efforts of, pri- of private schools and the want of like the English upper classes and their militaristic tendencies to want a cohort of... Uh, young men in the private schools to run an empire. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why we play rugby uh, and why the England team exists in the way it does and, and the structures which, which they do. But from, but now, this new agency sounds a little bit more to me like the RPA, um, not the RPA, the Players Association in American football. So in American football, they ask the, they ask the owners to open up the, open up the books and when they realise what the TV money is and what the commercial revenues are and everything else, they say, well, we, we want a percentage of that, please. <clears throat> and I think the England players are absolutely entitled to do this. And I think, even more importantly, they're entitled to do this at the expense of all the other things that England spend their money on. I, I really do. So, you know, they get paid 25 grand a game. People say, that's absolutely great. You know, that's more than enough. But no, not if actually they're worth 30 grand or 40 40 grand. That's what they should be paid. And I think when they open up the books, there's going to be some real hard conversations because if England redo a TV deal and it's 100 million, they go, okay, can we have 55% of 100 million? And they go, oh, you could do, but we've given a third of it away to CVC. That's going to have to be be revisited because if that organisation, which runs the play, says, well, we don't want to play, there is nothing. There's absolutely nothing. There's no... Money for the women. There's no money for the, for the grassroots. Well, that would be cutting off your nose to spite your face, though, wouldn't it? So there is a, there is a balancing act point where there's an amount that they're happy with uh, and a and a split they're happy with that that actually everyone so everyone needs to feel in that situation like they're getting a good deal. Yeah, that that amount could be it could be multiples of the twenty five grand yeah. a game per person. Yeah. Just just we we ran through the reports and accounts for 2023. Uh, it was end 30th of June 2023, which came out about a month ago, give or take, maybe six weeks ago. And I've just got it in front of me now, so I'll just give you some figures. Uh, the RFU revenue in 2023, £221 million. The cost of sales as a budget, so I assume that that is player costs plus opening Twickenham, Plus any kind of marketing or direct stuff is forty four million, and there's seventy three overhead expenses. So the cost of the back of house team, the cost of upholding and maintaining Twickenham, all the councillors having trips to Italy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that will stop. So <laughs> that will stop. So that leaves that leaves. They they call it profit before rugby investment of one hundred and three million pounds. Now that currently ninety nine point four million of, of that leaving 4 million true profit. 
gets invested back into the game, goes back to the clubs, the professional clubs, back to the championship. Am I putting air the, quotes around the word yeah. invested? Back to, yeah, Spent. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not an investment. Yeah. It's categorically not... Uh, Maybe some of it you could badge. The old four G pitch getting put in. Yes. Like good investment. That is there. an investment. Yeah, that is. But a lot of it is not an investment. But that's that's hundred and three million pounds. That's the size of the prize that presumably this agency union will be negotiating for a larger share of that. It could it could be millions or tens of millions legitimately because yeah. if the if the players do. If they take this as far as um, some unions and organisations have taken in the last six, 12 months and legitimately withhold their services, that 220 million would fall off a cliff. Like, if they weren't to play a Six Nations, One you could ha- Nations you, you could, that could be, that could be 100 million costs. Decimate, decimate England. Yeah. So th- there is, there could be massive massive but, additional but, opportunity but for the players again this is where it's so opaque and I just cannot work yeah. out the RFUs the, the money and stuff because there's talk about huge losses coming down the road and mm-hmm. like or do the RFU then go well come on then you've got to cough up you want, you want a bigger <laughs> share you, you now owe us 10% of uh, our losses <laughs> well no because they're just saying yeah. you just pay us more I mean, it's kind of like Bill Sweeney. So Bill Sweeney <coughs> just says, well, do you want someone of this quality? Pay me more or I'll move jobs. So we've... You know, or just withhold, you know, withhold my, my labour. So we've, we've not seen those reports with the potential forecasts of tens of millions of losses, but they do coincide with a 220 million investment into the women's game. Yeah. Which, that, cool. which that, that could be another... I mean... That is a rugby investment in the so, same way. And, and that the this. Times highlighted this as the potential fallout. The more money for the players would mean less money going to the women's game. Yeah, but that, right? they said it in respect to the RPA. Oh, okay. So the the fees that the RPA lose from the England players being signed up to their services means they can't then look after women and got and other rugby activities. It's like so what? I mean, that's not what I'm paying for. You know, if I pay my agent directly, I'm not paying him in order to look after. a, a uh, yes. A female player for I'm just to, sub, to subsidise other people, whether it, whether it's yeah. a female player or a player who plays for Doncaster or Cambridge or any of the the lower level. Yeah, yeah you didn't go. Uh, you you didn't. You weren't there at my contract thing. Yeah, I was. I, I know. I, I took the money you pay me, and I, I was down at a different club sorting out a deal for someone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now we look at like the effect on late on 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 the women's game potentially and on the grassroots game. They're actually positive. So grassroots game first and foremost. I think there's a horrible culture in grassroots rugby of dependency. Where are the RFU? Why aren't they sending the BMWs down? Where are the community coaches? Yeah, okay, you don't have them. But now I think you've learned your lesson. You don't entrust the success of your club with an organisation which is as bad bad at what it does as the RFU. So if, if you're just waiting for RFU handouts, eventually you're going to be burned. Because, well, they spent... So frivolously that they had to cut every community coach. That was devastating. But it should never have been the case that they were dependent on community coaches in the first place. What's the relationship between the money that comes into a, a rugby club that's affiliated to the RFU and the money that goes to the RFU? Do clubs pay the well, RFU Other money? than, like, subs or something. I don't think I don't. so. I think yeah. I think it's more the other way around. Yeah. RFU will give you some the money RFU yeah. support. Yeah, okay. But then what the RFU are able to do, of course, when they've got you... Um, when they've got you 
to dance to their tune by giving you money is then demand that you do things like, oh, can you do the, can you, can you have eight teams and put them all on the, you know, game management system or player management system database? And if you want some extra money, you know, have a women's team. And if you want some extra money, have a mixed ability team. And you end up with rugby clubs that look like community centres. Um, so from the club's point of view, they need to stand on their own, their own two feet. And I think that's actually really positive because they'll have to engage with their membership again and find out what the members want and start tailoring the service to them. Otherwise, they just won't, won't succeed. And the ladies' game will be interesting because, well, it's the single greatest investment opportunity in sporting history. I know this because I was told by the RFU and they would never lie. So if that's the case, they should be able to stand, stand on, on their own two feet because that's the only healthy way that that competition can su- survive is if, um, is it Belinda Moore who is the chairman of the Premier 15s? Or if they can prove to us that it's commercially viable, well, please, by all means, go for it. And I wish you the be- be- best of luck. But I think the English <coughs> players now demanding what they deserve uh, is a really healthy outcome. Because, frankly, I'd rather give every penny to the England players who put their body and their health on the line every game than any money to anyone else. Because... They, they earned it. No one else earns it. They earned it. So here's, here's some interesting calculations. Very, very quick fag packet calculations that I've just done. So current England 23, or current England matchday squad is 23. 12 games a season on average. Um, 25 grand a game, which it certainly was the old, and then it got reduced during COVID. I don't know if it's back up to the full, but let's... I think it's back up to the full, Neil. Let's just say... 23 players, 12 games a season, 25 grand a game. That's that's £7 million just in player fees. But the RFU makes £100 before that rugby investment, air quotations, for that investment. So that's each player. You could increase each each player's earnings 14 times per match, which would mean each player would get £360,000 per match if nothing was spent on the grassroots game, the women game, propping up stuff. If, if you only covered, and this is based on last year's reports and counts, only covered um, players' expenses plus the overheads plus the maintenance of Twickenham and all the rest of it, each player could get £360,000 a game and the RFU would still break even. Or Actually, <laughs> in this scenario, they still get a £4 million profit. Yeah. So that, that would be... If I was sitting on the players' agency... The first line of argument would be, that's what we want. That's the size of the prize. Yeah. Now, there is a downside to this, of course, which is if that player agency only looks after the England England players, <clears throat> maybe a fairer solution is that there is a, a union just for the men's game uh, and professional men's game because all the men who are going to play for England play in the Premiership. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of does make... I mean, there is a sort of... A direct cross subsidy there, but they are all basically competing for the same thing. And actually, they might come to the conclusion that, well, okay, well, as a player, I might only be in England one or two times, but I'll always be I'll always be playing rugby. So actually, more money into the club game would benefit me more than more money into England. Oh, can you? Uh, do you know? What? I, I can't stop thinking of how much more the the sort of um, political and interpersonal games would happen when you when you when you're in the England camp and the cliques and stuff because people are desperately like trying oh, yeah. to keep hold of their massive chunk of cash yeah, I mean, that's for the a next great, game. It's a great point, isn't it? So do you you wouldn't risk it. I mean, it, just say if you were paid 350,000 a game, I mean, that's ridiculous. It, it, that never it's ne- it will never be that. No. But that's if if yeah. the, whole, the entirety even of that they, would be even if they doubled it 50k. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it could be. It could be more than why that. Or it could be play a single club game. I mean, why the injury risk, the financial risk to you is just so great. Uh, and then if you don't play, then presumably someone else in your club is going to play. George Martin doesn't d- doesn't play, but say Chesham does play. You know, how do you then warrant being selected? Yeah, you can't. The optimum number of games for your club is not zero, but it, the strategy is to. Mi- drive it to the minimum games for the club that means you are fit, ready and on form for selection for your, and for your Ma- country. Martin and Chesson, one of them might do a Tonya Harding to the other one. Well, yes. <laughs> Where the incentives are significant. <laughs> I mean, that, that, so that, in that scenario where the entirety of the 100 million gets funneled to the players, um, it would be uh, about 4.4, 4.3, 4. 4.4 million pounds per year per player from those 12 internationals. Now, it's, we know it's not going to be that, but there is a lot of room between 300k and, uh, which is the 12 times 25. And just ask guys like... 4 million. Well, well, just, uh, there's a number of players you can ask how quickly your career can end, whether, yeah, that's, whether that's as an international player, whether that's as a rugby player, full could, stop. Yeah, it could have been Tom Willis. Mm, Could have yeah. been Tom Willis playing, playing for England. So, you know, they do deserve more money. Uh, no, they don't deserve more money. Right? You don't deserve an intrinsic amount for playing rugby. You just deserve what you generate. And they Your generate market, yeah, lots of money. Market value. The, the one issue I do foresee with that is the... the I, I don't like the feast and famine already between... Like, we talk. you talk about the... I don't know who, who said, Phil, you, you used the phrase, the, uh, the squeezed middle in rugby or someone I can't remember who talked oh, about Charlie, Charlie, Morgan. Charlie Morgan Charlie Morgan yeah yeah it was Charlie Morgan you're going to get you're going to get kind of the the job in premiership player on 50k and then you're going to get his teammate who plays for England on ridiculous money someone. and that just that feels a bit vulgar yeah remember, it won't be this multiple but it could be I, I think it will move it significantly do you remember Rodrigo Goma Davis for Northampton no, no. You know, uh, it's a centre called Rodrigo Goma Davis for Northampton, right? And he started twelve one day, and I remember this. He was a really good player. He played quite a lot, and then I think he went to Dragons, and then obviously his career died. Um, <laughs> Standard. But he was playing on, I guess, like twenty five thousand. Wasn't a particularly big player, like a bit pop player. And then at ten was Carlos Spencer, yeah, yeah. two hundred and fifty. And at thirteen was uh, Bruce Ray Horner on about mm, two hundred and fifty, and you had this guy in the middle on twenty five k. Well, that's that's how that's Pat, how it works. That's how Pat Lammers run Bristol. You have the turn left car park that's nicely paved, and then the turn right car park, gravel, dirt. Yeah, yeah, it's like a farmer's field. Yeah, after a festival. So yeah, there there, there is a problem there. To me, the England team feels like it should be owned by by the Premiership clubs. So the, <coughs> if England team is owned by the Premiership clubs. I'm going to totally better. disagree with that. That I agree with you largely on the principle of what you're saying, but no, because again, the Premiership clubs are there because of luck in the time and place, and then they've shut everyone else out. Well, is it luck so and time and place? Though I mean, we're here because of luck and time and place. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like we were the first podcast, so you know we are here because we were here first. And yeah, I yeah, didn't but, to give but that then away. if you said we run. Spotify, or we get there first, or the or the government put regulation to protect us. Yeah, <laughs> there are no other no new rugby podcasts are allowed to be for. started yeah. without us. Yeah, other rugby podcasts cannot start without us agreeing to it. Yeah. Well, it is like all the AI um, organisations. Please regulate actively <laughs> lobbying or Facebook lobbying for tighter controls on social media. Yeah, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah, so no, I mean, look, the, we are where we are. Um, there are huge holes in, in the professional game, but I just think the professional game merging with England 
professional will be so much better because the owners are much more capable than the RFU. And, you know, look, the Premier, the Premier League actually gives three, away... Three clubs went bust. Um, yeah. I within mean, within 12 months of where we're, we're sitting and talking right now, and a year ago, three clubs went like bust. Jersey went bust, didn't they? And, you know, you can point fingers directly at the RFU f- for that. Um, you know, there are a lot yeah. of systemic reasons... Why? And one of the reasons is this sort of dual structure of the RFU of having one foot in the professional camp, one foot in, uh, the, in the amateur camp. And I'm back to back to agreeing with you totally. I don't know if there's, there's a silver bullet, but I, I agree with you on the principles, and it's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. So there is one more thing that links to this, which is Borthwick, in the kind of discussions on this, I've seen, I've not actually heard it, but I've seen quotes from an interview with Borthwick talking about the potential for hybrid contracts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to go into because he doesn't really give much detail, but one quote makes me think, perhaps he has listened to us in the past, or it might have been last week or the week before. And the quote... Bounty. The, well, the quote is, relating to the bounty idea, which was, um, if there are play, uh, positions, specific positions where England are short of, then England can offer a bounty to generate English talent in those positions. The quote is, We've outlined, we have outlined positions where we don't have huge depth and we want to see the best players for club and country in those positions. So it is something that, like, Borthwick is obviously a very astute operator. Uh, so, he, so he obviously listens to the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Either he listens to the podcast or, what do they call it, um, independent innovation, where the same... Um, Genius idea. Great, yeah, great same, minds think alike. Yeah, like um, maybe Telegram, or I can't think of the, the examples of them, maybe the internal combustion engine. Um, science and... In, um, uh, intellect get you to a point where the same idea occurs independently in two places at once. So maybe it's that, or maybe Borthwick's just been listening to us. Yeah. Well, he does listen. I can, I can confirm that. <laughs> you're welcome, Steve. I hope you're doing all right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll go over the bounty stuff later if we have time, or maybe another week because we did it last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no wonder with all that chat about all that potential cash, uh, Emmanuel Faye Waboso looks like he's going to be picking England. Good lad. Yeah. Good lad. So he should. Um, Whatever gets in the most cash. Born and, born and bred in Wales. I, I mean, I think just on a on a and principle, he should be. He should play for Wales, but he's entitled to do whatever. Is there something to do with? Is he not still a student at Exeter? Yes. So he has to leave university in order to go to the Welsh regions or something ridiculous. I, I'm not. I don't believe for a second that if he wanted to transfer and and someone at the WRU went to Cardiff, Cardiff, Met, Met. Cardiff Met or Swansea University, look, look. Can I just make another sort, sort this kid out? Another small suggestion for um, this player, which is you go to university in order to get qualified to get a job. You have a job. <laughs> <laughs> Sack off university, you can always go back later. Right? You're one injury away from re-enrolling in, ex- in the Exeter Law degree, which you're currently studying for. You're absolutely fine. Everybody does that. Not many people become professional rugby players. Just throw it in the bin. Have oh, it. Nice. Yeah, that, that's what I would say. I like it. it, is a, it uh, I don't know what the um, Welsh uh, player payment is per game. It's probably about a quarter, something like that, a quarter to a third. And at some point one. you will have to go and play for a Welsh region. Dragons. As it currently Could, is. You is, might have to go and play for the Dragons. Yeah. Yeah, or any is, of them. Yeah. But there, there is an interesting, um, you could try and model it, an interesting equation to say, how many games do I have to play for Wales? To, so if, if he only plays 10 games for England, he's got to play 30 or 40 games for Wales to make the money equate. Which does he think is more likely? Yeah. 
Um, well, I, I think uh, he, he's probably looking at England's stock of wingers and thinking they're, they're bobbins compared yeah, to Wales. Do you know what, though? They're not... They're, they're at, no, they're, no oh, of course they're not. Of course no, they're not. No, no, so the two, two England wingers, I don't think you and I, or any... Well, sorry, you and I, any of us, or any of the papers have suggested that these two wingers start for England. But England could call up on Muir and Ollie Thorley. Yeah. And they'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. one even talk, talk, talks about them. So England have plenty of wingers. What I don't like about this Ferrabosa, Ferrabosa, sorry, is the fact that he isn't good enough yet. He's nowhere near good enough yet. No, agreed. And the reason that he's getting fast tracked into England is because he's dual qualified, and this is one of my bugbears. So, if I would, if I was him, I would demand I get a cap in the Six Nations. <laughs> Someone give me a cap for the Six Nations. I'll sign. Like, was, like yeah. Finn Russell was doing with Finn Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry, like uh, Finn Smith was getting from Gregor Townsend. Yeah. Mm. So England did it with Sam Moore. I mean, I know I'm a mad conspiracy theorist and they would never do anything like this, but it does sound a little bit like they're doing something like this, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. This does sound a little bit. He's not ready yet, but he's a brilliant player. He's just not ready. He, he scored a cracking try on the weekend. Uh, he, he's not ready yet. He's right. looked very good the last few weeks. Will um, Muir is ready. Ollie Thorley is ready. <laughs> that, I... I think any of those would do a hell of a job. Yeah, um, playing for England. I think probably Ollie Thorley and Will Muir would be, based on what I've seen, um, probably better at the um, bread and butter of what uh, Borthwick wants for a winger. But then Ben Earl or Tom Curry would be better at what Borthwick wants from I a tell winger. You what, I was just thinking, like, I, I only semi joke that those two should start for England. Every time something good happened on either side, one of those two, of those two is involved. And it's not because they're brilliant rugby players. They're not. They just try so hard and they're so but are aggressive. They, I, I don't know if I honestly believe or not. I think I probably do believe in the concept of a test match animal. Maybe not to the degree that Eddie Jones believed in it, but I do think there is something. I, I'm struggling to watch Premiership games and think, oh, that was amazing. That guy's really got to be in the shop window for England. Mm. Yeah. What do you see? I, I, I do agree with that. Well, you see the attitude... So I, I just think there's a, a, a way people think about wingers and they think of like, you know, fairly flash players, good finishers and all the rest of it. And they don't give enough weight to the attitude of a player. Now, the two lads I've just been talking about, their attitudes are very common in, in rugby, but in the back row. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sort of like Lewis Ludlam or... That's, that is exactly what... Um, I love it. Borthwick wants. Yeah. That's like, what Borthwick wants. That, kick, yeah. kick chase. That's, that's what, what Borthwick wants. But then you, you look at... Who are the great wingers that have emerged in the last few years in world rugby? Damien Penno. Penno. Um, oh, God. Yeah, but Penno does have... Like, he just wins things, and he, he wins just does fantastic. Ev- he does everything. He does everything. Though. So, he, like, he's a physical freak, and he's just amazing. His rugby brain's incredible. Colby. But I would say Kurt Lee Arentz is one. Yeah. Will, Will Jordan. Jordan. Will Jordan's another. Louis Biel is another who's emerged. And all three of them, yeah, they work hard, but that's a prerequisite. On top of that, they have just exceptional... Rugby brains, skill levels, just yeah. natural ability to step and yeah. glide, and so, like which is on which is all layered on top of the absolute like un non negotiable. You work your nuts off every game. Tell that to Henry Arundel. So, yeah, well, like, yeah, quite. Did you see his effort trying to? Oh, I'm trying to tackle Leon. Leo. I feel like I'm getting on Henry Arundel's case. He's an he's that's because because Faz has told you so. He's a, <laughs> I hate Ben Spencer. He's a freakish talent, but he's got so much to learn. And he, he's like I'd say him and Owen Farrell are both guilty of what the British media does. One, you get a, a bright young thing, they get hyped up like they're the 
you know the ne- the Messiah, yeah, yeah. and then you get someone who is amazing and has been there, and you you, you knock well, them down. Okay. And neither are true. Henry Arundel is nowhere near top level quality yet. So, and the, his, if you have a look at um, the for Racing at the weekend, it was a it was such a your man tackle. It was one on one with Leone Nakarawa. And he and he just he, you know, we've all been there where you go. Yep. I, I better look like I'm making a tackle, but I'm really not. Yeah, well, I, that's I'm, exactly it, isn't it? So, I mean, rugby is littered with these sort of wingers. Uh, Cock and a singer used to be like this; just couldn't get himself in the game. Didn't think think quick enough. He's actually really good now, and he played yeah. another good game. Not a level of those two, two other boys, but a really good game. Um, there's oh, I can't mention him really. Uh, yeah, Arundel is just uh, Tom Vondell would be one like superb talents, but they stand out on on the wing and they wait for the game to come to them, and occasionally they do amazing things. Almost, uh, almost too talented to be good. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, Will Muir can run. That's the other thing. He like, can. And so Thorley can. I mean, Thorley is going to die on a rugby field. <laughs> it doesn't give me any pleasure to say that, but it will give him pleasure. He's like Will Addison. He, yeah. He, he just needs to take. Five percent off at times, and the thing is about these players is you don't have any wasted personnel. It's not like you've got two guys on the wing that not aren't going to contribute. They'll be there some somewhere in in um, in the trenches. So I, they could do England could do so much worse than Muir, Thorley, and who having uh, outside centre um, played today for Bath. Lawrence. Lawrence. Just animals. Absolute animals. Well, well, just- you know, speaking of the same game, do you know who else left absolutely everything out on the pitch, including <laughs> including <laughs> his lunch? Oh. <laughs> Alfie Barbary. Alfie Barbary. And him, that shot of uh, him just after the final whistle, just chundering. And what, what I quite liked was the polite little... Covering, covering his mouth with his hand. Uh, I mean, that ru- true rugby values right there. Absolutely. Sh- shielding that from women and children. What did, what did you th- think of the game? Well, just before that, have you ever oh. chundered from physical exertion? Yes. Yes. Well, any stories? Um, two, uh, yeah, uh, it was a 2K row test when I was rowing at Exeter nice. University. Ooh, and, nice. And it, uh, I, had, I did the thing where, where my feet were still in the in the foot things and I just fell off so I had to have someone take my feet out and get sat up and as someone sat me up my like my sort of t- my tummy con- like was all crunched together so I wasn't sat up properly and I just spewed on my shorts Ooh, nice. <laughs> and on the floor classy yeah. yeah I spewed up after a sprint finish in the school cross country Nice. Oh wow! So to win it, so you wouldn't. They wouldn't think it's talking about, but as a reasonable runner back, back back in the day, I've done loads of nervous, nervous pukes no, before no, a game. Really? Never, before never, a game, yeah, 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 never done that. And the other time that I threw up was about an hour after, and it was nothing to do with alcohol. An hour after the first version of Dor- North Dorset Sevens, when I did the every game of the oh, that was and every game, of the, every minute of every game of both tournaments, you would. Done after that, I like, couldn't you believe were absolutely how, exhausted. And yeah. oh, the other, the other thing, I was just thinking about nights out drinking, and this, this is maybe some would say a shameful thing to do, but at court sessions and such, I've done many a tactical. <laughs> Shame, shameful. Just to try and stay in the game for longer. I probably should have done more tacticals. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about you? Oh, you're very quiet. Just, there. just um, one that I can recall from exertion, not not rugby, um, more similar to Jay. It was a. Uh, at Berry Track, aged about 15 or 16, doing a 300-metre session. Oh. And I, I can't remember the number, but it was it was far too many 300s 
running them as if you're running a 200. So running them as about as hard as you can run them just over and over and over again. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> I was surprised at how much Alfie Barbary had to expel <laughs> at that point. Well, he's only been on the field for 20 minutes. I, I, look, I've already said I'm worried about his conditioning. I, I, those things have eased off, but maybe maybe they'll go back. You know, maybe, yeah. Go again, though. So I thought it was a really interesting game, this. I thought, um, well, what would I think? I thought, first of all, Gloucester do the hard things really well and the easy things not at all. <laughs> and, they them, and they let themselves down so much today. But then Bath's decision-making was equally horrendous. They should have come away. They, they they should have buried Gloucester. Yeah, Gloucester really did a good job at dragging Bath down to their level. Yeah, game well, bit, it's like, kind of like, I'll give you an example of when you've, I really thought Gloucester were great. Their defensive efforts on their five metres. Mm. You know, really, really tough, difficult stuff where, you know, it's all pride and you know, re- that is hard work. And then I'll tell you when they were absolute morons when Johnny May... Give, gives away gives away that penalty when they can't catch a ball. Why are they not deep enough as a as a backline? Why are they not deep enough as a backline? I can't understand that. Why are they throwing on throwing the ball on the floor? Why can't they catch it? Uh, these are real issues, real issues. And Bath were not good. Actually, mm. Bath were also responsible for throwing the ball on, on the floor. But their biggest problem was they just decided they didn't want to win it. They kept on kicking <laughs> for the corner. They kept carried on scrimmaging. They just needed the points. Mm. If they'd taken the points more. Well, they didn't. They didn't get a penalty, did they? They just went for the corner and were fair play yeah. to Gloucester because Bath's Bath's yeah. um, line out and driving mall has been one of their real strengths this season. And uh, Gloucester did a good job to shut it down. The game would have been out of sight as well if Finn Russell had his kicking, kicking boots. boots. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. But yeah, yeah. So there's a few things going on there. Um, I just feel. So, I just. I, I really wanted Gloucester to win this. Um, because I just feel they need a bit of a turn of luck rather than anything else. The thing I didn't like about Bath is that I think last week I said that their success might be a bit frail because they're they're a new team. And that's what we saw today, actually. I think you saw a bit of their growing pains as they're trying to merge this all all these new pieces together. And they would have benefited from going to Welford Road uh, uh, last week and continuing mm. to grow but instead they've taken a week off and they're just trying to find, find their feet again well, so mm. when I was just looking ahead on their fixtures after Europe they've got an, a nice Bristol v Bath derby that'll be a fun game to watch the, we, maybe we can watch that one when we're in Paris mm. that's, that's Saturday night um, that's the Saturday night which obviously the game we're going to see in Paris yeah Owen Farrell's Racing 92 are playing on Sunday night and have you seen the early kickoff on the Saturday when we were in Paris no it is your beloved Bayonne travelling to my beloved Bordeaux mm. oh fantastic oh, my, beloved, the- my beloved Bayonne had a heartbreaking uh, one point defeat um, away to Bordeaux away to your beloved Bordeaux oh wait Oh, was oh, no, that, that was the game this, this weekend. Oh, sorry, that's this weekend. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. getting no, confused. Your beloved Bordeaux beat my beloved Bayonne by a point with a last... A, a last oh, it was Luku, wasn't 70 it? 70 minute try. That's where Luku. I've seen it. Yeah, but no, the um, the end of the month... Yeah, Bordeaux are playing Stad, Bayonne are playing Oyana. So, anyway, the um, the Saturday night game, there will be Toulon v La Rochelle. But we'll be there for Racing to lose. You come into that, JB? Working Thing, w- w- work in progress. Mm. Work, in, work in, in, in progress. Yeah. So um, uh, the, the other thing I thought was interesting about this game is the impact of the benches. So you don't think of um, Bath 
Oh, sorry, Gloucester as having a particularly strong bench or deep squad. I thought when Cam Jordan came on, he made a real difference. And I thought Clement made a real difference too. Clement, Clement is a good player. They're I really, really players. enjoyed him this season. Yeah, just big ball carriers. Exa- exactly what exactly what they needed. Um, Gloucester- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you who was a sight coming on. Uh, Fraser Balmain has yeah, bulked agreed. up even, even more. He's huge, isn't he? He He's was playing absolute- so well. The first few months of last season, he was the best tight head in the Premiership. And I and I was genuinely thinking that, that could, he could be England's starting tight head at the World agreed. Cup. So... And he had a massively better, unfortunate and long injury. So yeah. Balmain's back, and once they get, um, what's the other boy? The loose head? Oh, Valrapal Ruskin. Valrapal mm. Ruskin. They, 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 will be fr- they will be frightening up front. But at the end of the day, eight losses now. And nine losses, isn't it? Nine losses. I think it's nine. Yeah. And the worst part about it is, it's, it's one of those, like, you're not going to play well every single game, and they didn't play well in large part, parts of this. Um, in the same way that Bath didn't. But when you're losing, right, when you lose and you're playing well and then you lose and you're playing poorly, it just really affects the fans because you're just this you know, horrible habit of like losing all the time. Bath, on the other hand, are in this habit of winning. So they didn't really play much, much better. But they've just got that habit of you know getting it done. And that mm. was the difference. I, yeah. I don't know how Gloucester remedy this because they're going to look at that and go that was amazing the defence part was amazing the bit which we you know which is probably the most important bit is great why is Hastings throwing the ball forward uh, you know no sorry not forward why is he throwing it behind his attacking line mm. like that is unacceptable and it's all, but it's also unacceptable that the back line is so shallow but why is he not just stopped to see where, see where they are I don't get that and right at the end I don't know if you noticed the break from was it Mercer? No, it was Harris, because he's causing me some issues. Now, Harris has gone from being one of the best players in the Six Nations, or one of the best Home Nations players, where you just put him on international mm. pitch, doesn't matter if it's wing or outside centre, he does really well. Yeah. It's something of a liability now. Yeah, well, I, I mentioned him in defence last week, uh, or the week before, and again, it, he who was it? Was it Lawrence? And there was a bit of a bump. Yeah, it was, Lawrence gave him a little bit of a bump for the Muir try. Um, but it's the kind of thing where he should really have got through there. Yeah. Or maybe it was the Glanville try anyway. He, he just, again, looked... <sighs> doing things that Chris Harris, a couple of years ago, you would say he would never do because he's an absolute rock in defence. So, someone was describing how Chris Harris plays to me. And they were saying that what he's really good at is his defensive reads. He gets mm. into positions yeah, yeah. which you would never coach a player to get into. And he makes things happen. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that strength has now become a bit of a liability. So, or if you lose a, a little yard of pace, he doesn't have the ability to make up for being... Yeah, in, yeah. something like that. Yeah. That's, that's a fair point, because he's probably 32, 33. Yeah, and he just didn't look good. So you know, he played on the wing in Japan. He was also up against Dolly Lawrence. Yeah, but he's meant to be one of the best in the world. So yeah, he, he behaved like one a, of the best in the he's world. He's a lion. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't be afraid of anyone. Yeah, but uh, Ollie Lawrence being put into position by Finn Russell will mm. trouble many yep. an outside and, centre. And having two absolute weapons on the wing either side of him. So he's got threats mm. everywhere. And I tell you, the guy who, you know, we keep saying, Finn Russell, Finn Russell, Finn Russell, start saying Cam Redpath. Because I think he is playing really, mm. really well. Mm. Um, so... Uh, just looking at the Gloucester's fixtures going forward, they ignore the next two weeks because it's Europe and it doesn't matter. Uh, end of January, they, they play Sale, they host Sale, which Sale have to correct their last couple of weeks, which will come on to this week. Hmm. Then in February, they've got one game 
against Exeter. In March, they travelled to Leicester. Oh, that's the that's the Premiership Rugby Cup, by the way. That one. Which one? Uh, February. There's no. Oh, it is. There's sorry, no, there's no Premiership sorry, games right. through the that Six Nations. Premiership. Yeah, you're right. Then they have two Premiership, legit Premiership games uh, against Tigers and then Bristol. So 29th of March is their realistic next chance of a Premiership win. If they miss that, they then play Saracens, Exeter, Northampton, and finish the season against Newcastle. So their next win is Newcastle. is is a coin toss as to whether it's Bristol at the end of March or Newcastle to it's finish their eight, season. Eight games left. Do you know? I was thinking about this today, and I thought, I mean, I don't want to give any credit to anyone in the administration for rugby for how the Premiership has turned out this year. Um, to rip off someone else's joke, it's a little bit like um, giving the captain of the Titanic credit for discovering you know the benefits of ice baths. Um, <laughs> like Wim Hof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, right, they did not design this, but with so few games, did I mean? Well, first week of January, it's not exactly the week where everyone spends all of their money because they have none. And Exeter was absolutely bouncing, yeah, rammed. Yeah. Uh, Welford Road looked absolutely intense. <clears throat> Uh, I actually was speaking to someone who took their kids there for the first time. Uh, it was brilliant. Like, massive atmosphere. I don't know about sale because I didn't watch that game. Uh, and then today's game, it was bouncing. In the rain, in the cold, it was full. I'd be interested to see how many of the clubs have sold um, like half-season season tickets. Because they normally do like a discounted version for 100, 150 quid, something like that. And I suspect this year will have been higher because the, the quality of rugby is good. you got Stars from the World Cup on show. Um, so it's it's looking good. The, the product great, is great, doesn't the, it? Yeah, the product is looking good. The but you're pro- right, it's it's by sheer look rather than design up to this point. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I, mean I think the idea is, now if you're a fan, I mean, everyone down to Leicester is really in with a shout of making the playoffs. Mm. Leicester are a superb team at, mm. at the moment and they're setting it. Eighth or something. Was it uh, seventh? seventh. Seventh. Who's with, eighth? with Bristol at eighth? Who beat the second? Who beat the second team? Unfortunately. Well, the second team who are now in fifth. Yeah. So every everyone is invested because it's such a close league. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, the, the quality's high. You've seen. You've got all these players on on show. And if you don't go now, you're going to miss the season. You've only got a few games left. Yeah, yeah. So I think getting rid of. Three clubs has worked wonders. Every, uh, no, I've just, I don't disagree, but I'm just going to again play devil's advocate. The everyone's invested. Are they? Uh, Newcastle, no. No. No, and also, are they? I, d- I don't know what the did, viewing figures are. I don't Park? know what the viewing figures are. No, yeah. no, no. But I, that's just been off the viewing figures for now, right? Because we're obsessed by viewing figures. And that's not going to save the clubs. Because BT Sport or TNT Sport or whoever it is are not going to pay that much more for rugby ever again. I think you've probably seen the high watermark of professional sport in terms of TV deals. Professional rugby. Yeah. Not, not football. And, Where uh, rugby is going to survive, and I've said this before the season even started, if it's got a chance of surviving with this awful CBC deal, it's going to be locally generated revenue. It's going to be Exeter selling 14,000 14, at Exeter, right? Week in, week out. It's going to be Welford Road packed out week, out, week in, week out. That's how rugby survives. So s- screw the viewing. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, 
fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Figures that will come hopefully after they build a really strong local local well, foundation. That, well, they uh, need to fill the rounds. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I, I do agree with you, and that is a bottom-up kind of view to take. But the losses that are being incurred by these owners can only, but they can only be dealt with short term at the ground. Yes, That's I the agree. Only way you can do it. I agree mm. with that. But they, yeah. But they're beyond their means until they get a TV deal that they imagined they would get when they signed the CBC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember hearing Bruce Craig, or certainly had seen it written down from Bruce Craig, in oh, it must be ten years ago when we first started the pod, and they just signed a bumper BT Sport deal, and it gone up by X percent, twenty percent, thirty percent on the previous deal, and he was saying that yeah, we anticipate that every time there's a TV deal, it will be increasing by these percentages. And it's not, not only has, not it, only has it, not, yeah. Uh, inflation means it's actually gone down. down. Uh, in but also, terms. also that was pre-CVC. So not only has it gone flat, and inflation has eaten away at it. Twenty-seven percent of it is now taken by a third party. Yeah, and even the brightest people, and there's no two ways. Bruce Craig's a very clever man. Even the brightest people are going to get predictions wrong. I mean, you know, if you want to be a successful fund manager, you need to get 51% of your decisions right, which means, that, you know, well, we know what, the, we know what that means. Uh, so, yeah, he's got that horribly wrong. So the future of rugby has to be mm. in the stadium, people going through the turnstiles, going to watch going to watch events. Do you know what it's similar to, to Tim? It's like in the music industry when it used to be all about the record label deal, and now it's all about the tour. Because that's how you make mm. your money. You've got yeah. to get people through, through through the door. And yeah, I've got a, I've got a mate who's in a band that are going back out on tour, and uh, yeah, it's, and the merch is yeah, the merch is like where they make their money. Touring yeah. and merch, yeah, and, and like football clubs now, an enormous amount of the um, margin is made through hospitality. It's getting businesses to spend mega money on a box mm. or the corporate seats with the dinner and do that every single. Um, every single home game. Mm-hmm. Well, there was what? Did you see the crossfield kick that, uh, this week? The crossfield kick. Which to, one? To win the game. Which game am I talking? Talk, talk Northampton about? Saints. No, no, that wasn't a crossfield kick. That, that was Mitchell. Cross- yeah, boys, Aylesbury beat Cobham. Yeah, Aylesbury finally <laughs> got themselves a win after all those. Like, I, I, I looked at the table uh, that Aylesbury are in, and they beat Cobham higher than them in the table. They've, that was only their second victory of the season, and yet. They are third from bottom, and the other team that has just two wins, the team below them have three wins, but the, the team on, at the bottom of the table with two wins are s- some ten points behind them due to all the losing bonus, bonus points, points and try bonus points they've scored in those gallant defeats while they got themselves a win. Right, right. So, just as this, this is the noise at Aylesbury. So, over it goes, crossfield kick, wingers free. Local rugby everyone, level yeah. seven. That, that, that is what it means when Aylesbury win. Isn't that good? Fantastic. And they'll have loved it as well because uh, Marlow got humped. Yeah, what 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 a week. What a week. Um, 
43.5. Cheers. <laughs> what did uh, Tok H do? <sighs> it's a bad, bad week. Oh, was it? It I was a bad you, I week. I thought you got a win against Aspel. No. No, we did not get a win against Aspel. So, was that last time? I came off the bench. And I'm not going to lie, I think I did pretty well. In fact, I did very well scrummaging and set-piecing and all all rest of it. So we went from seven points down, then we built a six-point lead, and then we went into a six... No, a nine-point lead, then to a six-point deficit, and then to a four-point lead. And then last phase of play, we gave away four penalties, and the fourth penalty, your, your boy decided to turn his back on a player who then tapped and went and scored. Oh, no. Completely my fault. Oh, no. no. You switched off. And, do you know, I was giving it the big, and like, we run to line-outs, we run to scrums, everyone looked keen. You're massive on that as well. Yep. And I was like... Never look tired. Never look tired. And I turned my back, and they're only... Well, not only dangerous player, that isn't a fair thing to say. They're really good. I mean, to be fair to them, they fought for everything. Who's it you're playing? Aspel. So it was Aspel, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you you guys lost by a point? Yeah. Gutted. Heartbroken. Absolutely heartbroken. But they deserved it. You know, they they stayed in the game throughout the whole thing. Their fly-half kicked well. Our fly-half kicked well. And we just couldn't separate from from them. So really not a good result at all. And next week, if I'm available, I'm not sure I am, we're off to Widnes, who are top of the league and looking Mm, for promotion. Good team as well, Widnes. Very good team. Mm. Gutted. Yeah, not good. Uh, and the 15s in action? Yeah, they shook the rustiness off. We haven't been able to play in a few weeks because of bad weather and Christmas and all the rest of it. So uh, went to Bolton with a, a much depleted team and got a win away, which is good. Mm. But it was, um, yeah, honestly, our, our fly, it was one of those games where, and you, you'll know this as a forward, JB, and I don't, I don't know if you have the same mentality having played back, but a fly half that just puts you in the right part of the pitch. It's just, yeah. mm. I just feel soothed watching our, our 10. He just, his kicking is amazing to the point that he's, he's only just turned 16 and he, he's been asked to turn out for Lee's reserve team at rugby league. Has he? Mm. He, he doesn't know whether he's actually going to do it because, but, but because you can be a professional rugby player at 16 in rugby league I don't know what the if it's the same at rugby union no it's oh, not 17 yeah oh is it 17 is it 17 I don't know I think it's 17 for certain teams and 18 for senior teams oh, no it's no, 17, so, 17. So, I, think, yeah. I think George Ford made his debut at 17 I want to say so we can go and try you can be a 16 year old like playing in the game that I watched today and then you can go and play with fully grown men in a reserve league match at rugby league yeah. which is mad So d- that is crazy well we had Swinton Lions captain Who's at, well was captain? He's now moved over to, once he Lee, no Witness Vikings, um, and he played for Wales. A guy called Mike Butt, and I'm sure he played for Broughton Park first team. Did you, oh, oh, I, I remember the name. George, I'm sure he played at like 15, 16 for our first team. So George Ford was 16 years and 237 days when he made his Leicester Tigers debut. Wasn't that a final? Wow, that was Anglo Welsh Cup. Oh right. Wow, um, he was si- that 16. is sixteen. Now I've got a, a, a Louis going to be sixteen this week. That is insane. Isn't yeah, it? that is insane. Well, did you did you see the age related? Uh, this will be a trivia question, or it would be on question of sport if it um, still existed. Thanks, Hugo. Um, <laughs> in future, <laughs> but did you see the age-related um, trivia piece from yesterday's football? No. So, a player um, came off the bench for Blackburn in the FA Cup at 
15 years and 300 oh and something my days. goodness. So he was the youngest ever player for Blackburn and he had to wear a different shirt from all of his teammates. Why? I don't know. Uh, don't tackle me shirt. Like, I mean, no <laughs> what? He couldn't have a... Oh, it's something to do with a sponsor. Sponsorship. Oh, not betting. Al- gambling. Not, not alcohol, not betting. Uh, this is a sign of the t- times. This is very zeitgeist. Crikey. He couldn't have a... He couldn't have a... Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What do they have on shirts? On football shirts? Just gambling, alcohol, no smoking anymore. Not vapes. No. Vapes. There you oh, go. Wow. Vapes. Sponsor <laughs> for the Blackburn kit. That is very 2024. Wow. <laughs> Love that. Wow. Great. There you go. So it's not black. It's kick it out of racism. Is the I was, I was yeah. trying. I was going through what's on football shirts. What do I see on football shirts? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because he's a massive racist. So he's not. Doesn't want that on his shirt. I don't want that. I would be tempted. Um, so I would be tempted. sorry to that young gentleman. I apologise. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't. I'm talking of those sort of things on shirts. I mean, I'd be tempted if I played professional sport not to have any kind of campaigning on my shirt whatsoever. If I could get away mm. with it, but. In Australian Rugby League, NRL, which was the team that refused to play in their rainbow tops? Oh, yes. <sighs> there was a team that refused to play in rainbow tops. All right, more power to you. Absolutely not doing that. <laughs> uh, there's also a NH, an NHL hockey player who decided not... No, no, no. It was, it was, uh, it was the AFL. It was AFL, was it? It was AFL said the Sydney Swans cannot display... Cannot have cannot have a rainbow shirt because it's because it was uh, it's a political statement and they don't want any of that on their kids. No, no, there's definitely an NRL team that did it mm. as well. So the players just said, "I'm not wearing it." Oh no, no, here we go. Sorry, this is I'm, I'm confusing the stories here. Uh, the, the Sea Eagles players sat out the Manly. round twenty NRL clash against the Roosters after refusing to wear the club's inaugural rainbow jersey. That's mm. it. Wouldn't do, I, I wouldn't wear it. Not a chance. Wouldn't wear. Wouldn't wear the laces. Wouldn't wear anything. I imagine there's a few um, hard Christians a la Izzy Falal yeah. in, in that team. Many um, Pacific Island players will mm. probably be with you on that team. Mm. Yeah, and people that don't want to wear it, mm. who are not from the Pacific Islands. Yeah. So, anyway. so a lot of religious South Africans would probably... Did you see a certain Pacific Islander charging through the Saracens' defence? I did. Cutter. Uh, He's been a, remor- a remarkably good signing. Yeah, great signing. Him, um, him and him and Visa are just such destructive carriers, they are, aren't they? The, the only issue I have with Kata being there is it links back to what Steve Borthwick was talking about earlier when Steve Borthwick was picking up on what we said on last week's podcast, is Dan Kelly is a 12, who's playing at 13 because Kata is there. Yeah, and, and Kata can't really, not really a 13. No, Kata can't really play 13. He's doing very well at Leicester, but that, so he's playing well for Leicester to England's detriment. Well, he, yeah. he was playing on the wing for Exeter. <laughs> yeah, true. So, I mean, they just—I just think they. I mean, they, like, they played thirty-two-year-old Ian Whitten on the wing as well. <laughs> that, so. is, that is true. I mean, two teams here that are in a very, very different place. And I've been thinking. I mean, I've been thinking like this both in terms of the actual match itself and the future of both these sides. Um, Leicester look like they're ready to win now. They have to win now. Well, they they do with Visa going. Is Visa uh, going? He's definitely going. They're not. Unless I've missed it, it's not been announced where he is going, but it has been announced that he is leaving at the end of this season. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
France. Must be France. It, it will be Gotta France. Got to be France, right? Unless it's Japan on stupid Japanese money. That means Which is where Louis Rees Summit might be going, apparently. There's a, there's a lot of talented players selling photocopiers would and that, picking up mega money. Would that mean he can't play for Wales, though? Or would they... Because the, the Japanese would, season is only very short, so... Yeah. He could, he could mm. then be available, potentially, for a like short-term contract mm. if anyone has enough salary cap left. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah they just look awesome. I mean, I thought Oli Chazen, particularly in the first half, just looked imperious. He looks like every inch an international second row. And his ta- cover tackle in the 78th minute on, I think it was Lewington trying to get away. Yeah. Was he very, is. very impressive. Like he Martin just, was impressive as well. I think about the great Leicester second row. And obviously the great Leicester second row, you think of is Martin, Martin Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. But he never played play, play, play like that. Oh like, no! He not. he would wander from rock to rock, shouting obscenities <laughs> and, being, and, and being a bit dirty, and that's great. I mean, there was a time and a place for that. Ben, is, ben K, who played alongside him, was more athletic back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah, but not. I, I, I don't think Chesham is like a combination of those two. The highest points of those two rolled up into one. He's incredible, and like the way he approaches the line well. out and the confidence that he's um, showing now. Uh, he's maturing into just a great player. So he's patrolling the field. And I kind of forgot at that point that there was another player on the field called um, George Martin. Mm. Then he starts absolutely wiping people out. Nailing people. Second half, uh, I think he had like two back-to-back tackles. And he is just a freak of nature. But then you've got all the other boys that are starting to contribute. Like Cronin was very good at at scrum time. Although everyone's good at scrum time against Saracens. It it did help. Yeah, and and that's what I was going to say, that that's the context for this. And we've all been in matches like that. The scrum has that much of it filters out into the rest of the game. And... This is where I don't. This is where, as as impressed I was as I was by some of those Leicester players, and I'm I'm looking at England's tight end position, desperately willing someone to make that shirt mm. their own. Joe Hayes and Joe Hayes may be that guy. May, yeah, he but may then, be. But then I was watching this and thinking, oh, awesome, Joe Hayes is playing. Oh, he's 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 playing against Christian Judge. Yeah, well, and yeah. Ollie Hoskins coming off the bench. It's not. It's not. Who's a nice? Against, he's, yeah, he's, he's a nice. Not against. They, yeah, he's not up against Stephen Kitsoff. They are nice. They are nice um, Premiership squad. Oh, sorry, players. No, those, those are tight head props I was talking about. He's up against Crean and Mullapola. Which yeah, are, well, Mullapola should have started. <laughs> yeah, as as he came on. And Mullapola. He's much better. Hayes had gone off by the time Mullapola yeah. came on, and he. I mean, he must be 140 kg yeah. in his current uh, yeah. incarnation. Well, Mullapola was the one that really got me thinking. So the way this game was played, if you watched it, so I was watching, and I couldn't help. But notice, it was like an international game because, well, Leicester like a more international style game with kicking for territory, pressure, 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 loads of physicality and mm-hmm. intensity. And Saracens, whose heartbeat of that team are internationals and they, and they like playing the England way because, well, who are they? It's Owen Farrell, Myra Toji. The and Ben problem, Earl and I, Elliot Daly. I, I yeah. totally disagree. They like playing the, the England way. That was true five, six, seven years ago. It's not true. Oh, now. I don't know, Tim. I mean, if you that, look... Go, going to Welford Road with, with a, scrum on ice, uh, a scrum on ice skates, a scrum on roller skates, I totally agree. They had to p- try and play that game and get some territory because... They, they were, were so aggressive. Yeah, I mean, no, both teams are no, so aggressive. No, they were, but all I'm saying is Saracens have been one of the best attacking teams in recent uh, years. Yeah, yeah and they still are. That was a Really good attacking prowess, and that was a point that was made that um, over seventy-five percent of their tries have come from three or fewer phases. Yeah, but strike, strike moves basically. But if they fail in that first phase, so they do have that in in, in, in the locker. You're absolutely right to point that out. But if they fail in that first phase, you watch them around the breakdown how they play in open play. It's it does. There are times 
in this game that reminded me of watching an international game because just the ferocity around the breakdown and how they were trying to, to defend. The problem that Saracens have is, although the heartbeat of that team can do it, maybe five, four or five players, the pieces that they're putting in to support them can't. And that was so true with the scrum because the players just are not up to standard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true with some like with some substitutes um, and... They're just move, taking these pieces away and they're more reliant on that core and that core is getting older and older and older. And one of the things that I would be worried about, like Elliot Daly broke through the line and he's just got open field in front of him now. Old Elliot Daly scores for, from that position probably. And also old Elliot Daly doesn't get burnt for pace by Dan, by Dan Kelly on, on a chip and chase. Yeah, that was, I think the angle. So on in Elliot Daly's defence... The, the, Saracens ran that strike move twice. Yeah. Once Tom Parton scored because of the Elliot Daly pace um, when he went round. It was either Catter or or Kelly. The second time in the second half they didn't. But that that um, Kelly try, although there was the Kelly non try, uh, it looks a bit funny because of the angle. Daly was coming across. I, I, I think Daly's still a super, but I think it'd still be starting for England on the wing. I'm not sure he should. Uh, not over Thorley and Muir. Um, <laughs> but like, you look at Saracens and you wonder, is the mindset behind that team, like Manchester United or Man City, like we want a dynasty to win forever and a day. And that's why they keep with these core players and just carry on trying to patch the holes well, with well, people here and there. Hold on. Rather they, than Exeter, who are like, well, let's just destroy it and start again. Well, hold on. They've got a massive European fortnight ahead and they rested a bunch of players. Okay, but I just don't think. I mean, they're, when playing, they, they're playing Phil's beloved Bordeaux. And how 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 many wins have they got got, got in Europe? They're going to get crushed by my beloved Bordeaux. Well, that's it. If they, if they do lose to Phil's beloved Bordeaux, they're in trouble. They've got. I don't think they've got a single win yet. Yeah, they got one. Who against? So they lost Connacht against Connacht, the Bulls right, yeah. away yeah. and hammered Connacht. Yeah, put fifty odd points. They've got Leon at home in the final game, uh, which you would expect them to come through, but. They've got to try and get something out of the Bordeaux game. And the fact that they rested a bunch of players and Leicester at home, predictably, went with pretty much, well, most of their big guns. All of their so big I, guns. I, th- I think this... And I, they could reinforce them off the bench as well, which is big. So two guys come on in Harry Wells, who I think has been superb this season, and Kyle Hatherall, who mm. is a monster. You know, it makes a hu- huge difference. Huge, huge difference. And Saracens can't do that at the moment. So I, th- I think Saracens... I think they'll be fine, providing they get their scrum sorted. And scrum will partly be p- getting a few people back fit. Vernabola, um, George, yeah, Alex Clary has been yeah, it's tight. It's not tight. Tight is an area. Yeah, but this is Saracens through and through, isn't it? They're relying on one of that one of those core players and Vernabola coming back, and he's mm-hmm. not the same guy that he used to be. Vernabola, Jimmy George is still a. Classy operator, yep. but Vunipola, the two Vunipolas are not the same player they were. I'm going to three years say ago. I don't think Saracens make the playoffs. Yeah, mm. I, I, I wouldn't. It's it's very tight. It's really tight. Yeah, but, yeah, it's it, it's difficult because where they've come from, the success that they've had, I think the temptation is to carry on chasing the magic with those existing players, and I think they should go a different a different way. Mm. Well, a club that did that in the past under Jim Malinder is Northampton Saints. They're on a roll. That they comeback really against Exeter was something 26 like, nil down. Incredible. Yeah. And I was watching the Leicester Saracens game and it was, yeah, 26 nil after half an hour. Yep. Point, point a minute for Exeter and it, it, one way traffic. To come back from that away at Exeter 
And even for Exeter to go into the lead with a couple of minutes left and yeah. to score the final play of the game, the final try, that is a phenomenal win for it's, Northampton. Yeah. There's too much to think about with this game. So the first thing to think about is Northampton are the best team in the country at the moment, would you say? No. Their, form, their form's the best. They're top of the league. What more can you say? I think Leicester are the best team in the country at the moment. Full, full, full strength, Leicester are the best team. But then... Yeah, if you, maybe Northampton next. Yeah, if you go for the players on the park, if it, there was a final tomorrow, probably if you had like a, a round robin or the top seven all play each other in ten minute, ten minute games, some way of determining the top seven to play each other, probably less to come out on top. Yeah, then Northampton, then Quinns, then Sarries, oh, Bath, Exeter, Sale might be the bottom of that seven based on current form. If they get everyone out, Sale are good. But as they showed on Friday night, if you take a couple of players out, they're yeah. not yeah. the same force. So the point I'm going to make on this is for Exeter with what they're. Let's just pretend we've not seen Exeter play play before. Let's pretend we're at the very start of the season. I read that team sheet. Do you think that those boys are going to win? Nope. Exeter. Let alone score twenty six points in the first half against what we would probably describe as one of the best, if not the best team in the Premiership. So you've got that continuing narrative. We spoke about Rob Baxter and Exeter ad nauseum for ages now, so I don't want to go into that again. We know, nope. everyone knows that we think it's amazing what they've done. Yes, and are continuing to do. Yeah. Northampton, however, the knock on them is they can't play in the winter and they're flaky. Which, the last two weeks they've beaten Sale and Exeter, who are the epitome of the physical game yeah. in the Premiership. This is going so well for Northampton now. Well, again, but they've they've got a tight head prop. Yep. They've, In Davidson. Hang I mean, on. they didn't even play. When you look at their back row, it, it looks like they're resting up players <laughs> away from home for Europe. Well, there's no Courtney Laws. Yeah, there's yep. no, no Courtney Laws. There was no Lewis Ludlam. Ludlam who's injured And there's still. no Joano Augustus. Yeah, fair point. And there's no... Um, oh, I can't remember the other one. Uh, Tom Pearson was on the bench, so it was mm. it was Coles, Scott Young, and Graham were, were the back row, and I mean, so that it's not only that, so they're doing it with well, they do like rotated Scott, Scott team with a, with a fairly rotated team. Yeah, they do. They do like Scott Young, um, and also Sam Graham. I think has earned that position now because he's been playing very well. Oh no, but he, they, he, they he would has, be but, yeah, but, but those, those two pedigree players not, and, not in the squad, and those two are probably. If you listed all the back rows in order, Scott Young and Graham are probably fifth and sixth, if everyone was fit. Yeah. They'd probably... Um, You'd have Ludlam, Courtney Laws, Augustus, Pearson would be your first option on the bench, and then those two. Yeah. The other thing as well is the guys you mentioned at six and seven primarily play their rugby at second row. Yeah, calls. Yeah, so you've got a very, very big big, big back row there. Um, The other thing which is interesting about Northampton... I was talking to a well-known, highly respected rugby journalist this week, and it was also confirmed to us in an email, is that over the off-season they've been promoting their players to put on some weight. So apparently the back line was something like five kilograms a man heavier, which is a lot of weight. Which Freeman looks like it, certainly. Tell you the man who does look like it, and maybe not in the best way possible, that Litchfield looks like a big boy. Yeah. He looks like he's carrying carrying some ballast. <laughs> He Sli- plays well. Slight home, who scored a hat trick, uh, including the winning try. He does. He's in tremendous shape. Yeah, he's, powerful, he, he's a yeah. He's a bit. Sm- he's not a massive bloke, but he's 
just so athletic. Yeah. He's so fast. Yeah, and then again, where, where we were in the do- deepest, darkest of British winters, and they're getting it done. I absolutely love it. I can't, I can't get enough of it. Mm. And they're playing in a style which, you know, I don't think is great, but there we go. They, you know, winning games. Uh, winning games. I'll always take winning what games. What are these guys going to do when it gets dry? <laughs> they're going to be unstoppable. I mean, seriously, if they get into like the European not playoffs. And they've got a bit of confidence. Lovely sunny days. Mm. They're going to be an absolute handful. And in the, if they make the top four, which looks likely on their current form, then they will also be, particularly if they get a top two. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, they've got a seven-point buffer, which, bearing in mind there's only eight games left, that's massive. Isn't it? Isn't it? Down to Sale in fifth spot, who will be very disappointed with their performance and the result against Bristol. Well, that, yeah, I think there's there's definitely parallels there because Northampton doing things that you wouldn't expect uh, against Exeter and last week against Sale to Sale's detriment. Bristol this weekend in tough conditions coming up to the AJ Bell, middle of winter, and you would normally just say, well, physical pack from Sale. They will. It won't be particularly pretty because not many of Sale's games this season have been but they will grind out a result. They didn't. Bristol ground, ground out the result. Yeah. Bristol deserve to win this. Yeah, and one thing... Unfortunately, I've not seen it, so I can't comment on it, but okay. you can tell what happened. Well, so, so I can... Uh, just a couple of things I'll pick out from the game was that Gus War has been talked up as potential England scrum half in some quarters, but, yeah. think, but, but Harry Randall rinsed him. Did he? <clears throat> yeah. For the first try, yes. Uh, he mo- looked... Very lively and very sharp. Although he went off early, didn't he? Yeah. But yeah, Randall looked good. Um, the, and AJ, AJ going back to the AJ Bell. AJ looked good. Uh, he, he controlled looked good. the game nicely. Yeah. Sinclair looked good. Sinclair scrummaged well and put in a few big hits and a few nice carries as well. I'm really not finding this this uh, conversation uh, this conversation <laughs> comfortable. Well, I, I, I was thinking it's interesting. There's we've been talking about. Um, who is going to play tight head prop for England? Kind of assuming that the two incumbents, Sinclair and uh, Will Stewart, have not been doing very much and don't really deserve their place. Perhaps it is the incentive that Sinclair needs. Um, he looked good in this game. Now, you can probably count on one hand the number of times I've said that this season. Yeah. But he looked good in this game. Uh, you know, they did show up with a back row of uh, Lewis, Daniel Thomas, Mark, Marcus Bradbury. So when they get everyone together, they're all right. <laughs> but be, Dan, Dan Thomas, when, who they were yeah. happy to jettison on loan to, uh, to I can't remember, was it Ospreys know, or yeah. someone? Scarlets to try Scarlets. and get in Jack Willis. Yes. And then, um, yeah, who wouldn't, to with, be fair? With Josh Caulfield and Joe Batley, players that they picked up from the, from the busted Irish and Worcester, and they were squad players there. So they've... No, I, I don't think you look at the players and go, oh, yeah, they, they're, they're likely to win. But I'll tell you one thing, um, Sale looking to solve their issues. Johnny Hill looks like he's off to the top 14, to Leon, mm. And Luke, ah. Luke Cow and Dickey could be going there as well. Mm. Eventually, Luke Cow and Dickey getting his move to France that he messed up on last, last time. He actually Allegedly looks like he dodged a bullet with Montpellier, who could be getting relegated this year. <laughs> well, Leon could be getting relegated as well, well this true, year. Actually. It could be could, either or. Could, yeah. That would be quite funny if uh, Sam Simmons and Harry Williams' is Montpellier managed to gather a bit of form and relegate the soon-to-be Luke Cowan Dickey's <laughs> Leon <laughs> to scupper his deal once again. Um, but 
Sale are in conversation there and chats with Charlie Ewells. I mean, as you can imagine, I'm I'm thrilled by that. (laughs) I I can't think of a better solution to any second row problem than Charlie Ewells. It is Charlie Ewells post a little sabbatical in South Africa, remember? Mm. Yeah, true, true. (laughs) Um, Again, you know, Sale are in a situation where they spend a lot of money um, and they are, I think, in a mindset where it's just plug the holes, plug the holes, plug the holes. Right? You lose someone, you try and find a replacement. And I don't think it's wise to try and find a replacement for Johnny Hill because Johnny Hill's a lion. Um, is he a lion? Have I made that yeah. up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, two, two years ago, three years ago now, two and a half years ago. He's a lion. He's an unusually big bloke. He is an international class lock. I don't think you go and buy someone else's international class lock. You've just got to sort of develop, like, develop your own or find one, which is much, much cheaper. You don't mm. just go and get the ready-made thing. You've got to do what Baxter's done with Tashanza and Jenkins or what Leicester have done with Martin and Chesham. It's... It's that you've got to take. The reason they're not keeping Johnny Hill is because they can't afford Johnny Hill, and therefore they can't afford a direct replacement for Johnny Hill. So they're just going to get a worse version, and that would be uh, Johnny Hills. That is is a great um, explanation of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're better to put your eggs into four uh, young lads who have the potential. They have maybe close to or potentially close to similar attributes but they are nowhere near the finished article and hope that one or two of them that's exactly get there right. that's exactly what you've got to do like Luke Cohen Dickin can leave for, for, for all I care it's good. I mean I don't know what he's on but it, you know they've got won't be Mon- it, yeah it won't be Montpellier money but it, it won't be it'll, it'll be a decent chunk yeah so I, I, a sale having lost the last two games in very unsale fashion I've been bullied by been beaten by weaker teams in favourable conditions and weaker physical teams um, or those that we would perceive to be weaker physically I I am quite negative about Sale making the top four now I'm not I think they'll come good I don't know there's there's a couple of worrying things like one their scoring has just been as in point scoring gathering points on the board they have scored only Newcastle have scored fewer points than Sale Yes, like, Gloucester have scored more. Bristol have scored considerably. Bristol have scored seventy league points more than Sale. <laughs> that is a that's a problem. It's, I mean, it's not great, <laughs> but you know, you the other team can't win the game if they don't score more than Sale. So I'm okay. True. With that. I'm okay with that. But their their points against um, is there or thereabouts with all the teams around them. So they've they've scored within a couple of percent, the same as. Oh, sorry, they've conceded within a couple of percent the same as Leicester Tigers, Saracens, Exeter, Bath, and Quinns, with only Saracens of the top. Uh, Saracens, only Northampton of the top seven who are leakier. There's, Northampton are ten percent leakier than Sale, but all those other teams have scored eighty, ninety, a hundred, one hundred and twenty points more across those well, eleven games. I think Sale will win the next game, so I think they've got Gloucester next. So I think they yeah, can do that. that. That is very doable. I think they can probably beat, beat Bath, although I wouldn't guarantee it. Where is it? Bath. That's. I'm less confident. If it was at home, I'd say... Teddy's going to make a huge difference to Bath. I've just thought about it now. Um, you, what, Sam Underhill coming back. Yeah, and do you know what yeah. the other thing to think about that is it's not even worth talking about that fixture because it, that, that game that you're, you're making reference to is 70, 75 days away. <laughs> Can't come soon <laughs> enough. 
<laughs> so there's a lot of rugby, a lot of players to be missing or available or informal, not uh, between between now and then. Probably, unless there's anything else on the Premiership, we should throw our focus on to next weekend. Well, just just given that we've got one game in the next 75 days uh, in the Premiership, if you were going to put four names in an envelope now of who's going to make the top four. Who would you put in Tim Cocker? I'll tell you, it would be different to what I would have said at the start of the season. Oh, yeah, 100%. I still think despite being, wow, six points outside of the playoff spots, I still think Leicester will make the playoffs. I think you're probably right. <coughs> Excuse me. I think Northampton, uh, <coughs> Northampton because they've got the seven-point buffer, I think that will be enough, whether they stay in top spot or not, but I think they will make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so that's Leicester, Saints. I think Quinns probably will. And yeah. the final spot is the one that I'm finding really hard to call, and it's out of Bath, Exeter, Sale, Saracens. That's <laughs> everyone else. No, no, yeah. So, yeah, those so, four. So it's out of the, So one of those four, Bath, Exeter, Sale, Saracens, which is as they are in the table, third, fourth, fifth, sixth at the minute, and there's five points separating them. With Saracens in the worst position. Saracens in the worst position. It's not Saracens. So I'm going to say right but now, it's not Saracens. I'm just going to look at their fixtures. It's not who they've got to play. Saracens when it get when they when they get back from Europe, they play. They've got to play seven out of the. Um, yeah, Exeter, nine Exeter anyway. at home, Quinns at home, Northampton away, Gloucester at home, Bath away, Bristol away, Sale at home. I reckon Saracens will pick up enough points. So I'm going to go. I don't think they will. I'm Tim. not sure. I don't see where you get. I don't see where the where the easy uh, games. They, Quinns or Northampton. They lose their England players as well. Quin- and uh, they're going mm. Yeah, Northampton, Quinns. Leicester. Yeah, yeah, agree with all those three. Saracens. I'm going to go for Saracens. You're going Saracens. Northampton. Quinns. Quinns yeah, five yeah. points behind back. And Leicester. Leicester. Yeah. So we're all going Quinns, Northampton, Leicester. I, I think those three. I know. So I'll I'm, do no, it. I'm going to do it two ways. I'm going to say the teams I want to be there. Well, Northampton, <laughs> Tigers, Exeter Sale. But I'll okay. Bath in there as well. <laughs> and Quinns will be, so we're having Quinns an will be excited. The playoffs. Yeah. I mean, eight out of the ten teams managed to get into the Champions Cup, so why not just have <laughs> eight teams in the? Yeah, we'll so just make the Premiership top, playoffs. So four play five, right? In order to get into the quarterfinal, into semi-final. Yeah, have, have a wild card round where. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Do, yeah, third, th- third, and fourth have to play fifth and sixth. Yeah, I unfortunately. But I no, don't we need think... seventh in there as well. So seventh and sixth, and fourth and fifth all no. play off each against each other. No, no, no. Third, third play sixth, and fourth play fifth to get into the semi-finals. But we seventh need to be in there as well. Oh right, you want you want seven places? Well, no, uh, well want... just because Leicester Tigers are currently in seventh, and we're all saying that they're going to oh, make right. the top four. Yeah, so seven play six. Yeah, so like, like... Oh, yeah, it just cascades along. Seven play six for the right to play fifth. Yeah, and it's a ladder. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so we've got to in, we've got to have the club call somewhere in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was just to be very cold about this, as much as I want Exeter Chiefs to be in the top four, and I'd love them to win the whole thing, actually, I don't think they're going to have enough. I think this young team are going to have. Like, like the way they couldn't quite finish the game against Northampton, which they should have. Mm. They've just got too much of a learning curve, I think. And I also think what you've got to factor in here is the impact of the squads that have had Rugby World Cup players mm-hmm. and, and more. Because that over a season, that's going to even out. And Saracens and Leicester are the two that have been most heavily affected yeah. there. Yeah, I think they, Saracens are they will be affected during the Six Nations and beyond. So, uh, Saracens, if they get the scrum... I would have confidence in in Saracens. I just don't know if they if they can. I think Bath have got two. I think Bath 
are a team that traditionally had confident, misplaced confidence, <laughs> and that's why they lost a lot because they always thought they were too good to try hard. Like, oh yeah, we'll just come because we're all talented. And now I think they've got well-founded confidence because they're really talented and they're it's, winning games. It's well-founded yeah. confidence, but do you know why I want Saracens to make the top four and not Bath? Owen Farrell. Well, yeah, there's that. But because it's also because... because <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because um, Bath, Bath are good because three clubs went bust. They're not good because they <laughs> laid great <laughs> foundations so in place. True. Well, and so they've got true. Finn Russell. And they, they, got, they, pay, yeah, they paid fine. enough. They paid a million pounds a year to Finn Russell. Yeah, they've got a million pounds to pay Finn Russell, <laughs> and three clubs went bust. Well done, Bath. Oh god, they've got Ted Hill <laughs> to come back as well. It's not. Yeah. A, it's not a blueprint that Hill you and could, Underhill. You couldn't. If you were another club, you couldn't go. Let's take a look at what Bath do and see what we can pick up. All oh, right, <laughs> spend a million pounds on one of the best fly halves in the world, and hope that three clubs go bust, so we can just get cheaply their amazing players. It's a good strategy. <laughs> Speaking of clubs going bust, did you see the email we got, we got this week about wasps? I apologise, I haven't looked at any emails this week. Tim, that's your job. You're the email guy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, um, there we go. Wasps collapse legal case uh, from Jonathan, who's F- FRD Egg Chasers Premier League two time reigning, defending, and everlasting champion. Outstanding. Who well sent? So he sent us a link to an article. Um, from the Midlands about former Wasps owner uh, Derek Richardson who has put in legal papers seeking um, according to this £100 million plus for failures in advice from Kennedy's Law and its former partners in the restructuring of Wasps into a Maltese S-I-C-A-V structure prior to them Go, well, it was in 2017, four or five years before they went under, went into um, liquidation. I, I mean, I have no idea what, why this would be worth 100 million. Um, it's to do with the valuation of wasps uh, between 62 and 72 million pounds in 2017, which at that point didn't include a 20 million pound shareholder loan into the business from Richardson. So. Mm. He's got a valuation of sixty to seventy million. Plus, he then um, loaned the business and further twenty million pounds. And it's all to do with. If I have read this once um, a few days ago. It's to do with the voting structure uh, and the opportunity to raise additional capital that this Maltese um, setup prohibited them from doing. And his argument is. If he'd had more control and it wasn't in this structure, he would have had more control, could have raised more capital, um, and they wouldn't have gone under, and he was badly advised by his legal firm. I mean, it, so it's, it's, he's effectively suing his law firm. Why for, would you want... I, I'm going to have to ask someone who knows the answer. If you know the answer to this, get, get, get in touch. Why would you want to put a rugby club in a Maltese firm anyway? Presumably, uh, obviously this is his papers, the papers that Derek Richardson has served... And he doesn't go into it in any detail because he probably wouldn't in his legal papers because uh, it's p- painting him in a good light. I presume it was tax incentives. I would presume it was tax incentives too. Interesting. But he, did, uh, according to these legal papers, didn't fully understand the implications of putting it into that structure and the I loss of control it would... 100% in favour of people using tax schemes. 100% in favour. I'm also 100% in favour of people suffering the consequences of, of, of using tax schemes. <laughs> it's it's all trade-offs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no such thing as a free lunch. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. 
and for every um, 10 people who do well from these tax schemes, if one person has 100 million pound consequences, you think deeply about it. I can't tell you how horrendous I have seen tax schemes go go, go wrong. So by all means, do the tax (laughs) schemes. But uh, don't think you're you're cleverer than the revenue when you're doing them. Yes. So that's, I hadn't heard anything of that. So thank you. I should check the emails more often because I've I've got um I've thank been, you, been contacted by AG1. Yes, I know <laughs> that, that I, supplement you always well, see on Joe Rogan's I, podcast. Oh yeah, and Tim Ferriss and others. I didn't yeah. tell you about that because I thought you'd read it. Or no, I, I, I hadn't read it, but um, I'll get us some AG1. Excellent, mm. and then then I'll talk about it about how great it is once I've tried it. Um, anyway, uh, what, what else was I going to say? Yeah, um, John Clark said, "Do you reckon the Bristol squad played various?" Um, clips of JB's pronouncements about Bristol and Pat Lamb during training so I think as inspiration about, yeah. for their game on Friday well I was thinking about Pat Lamb and yeah perhaps and there's also a email to us about Ibatoya and why is he not considered for the England, for an England squad yeah there's a, Tim Ward has contacted very fair uh, point contact contact at gmail.com yeah and the reason is because mm. because I didn't watch him play this week and his name's not Will Muir or Ollie Thorley <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah do um do people in Bristol call each other lover? Have I made that up? Oh, hello, my lover. My lover. Yeah. Maybe Pat Lamb should go by a new moniker of um, Pat the Lover. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really nice way, isn't it? To sort of embrace Bristol's culture of love, but also have connections to like the local area. So Pat Lamb, the, lo- the lover Pat Lamb. The lover man. Lover Lamb. Yeah, lover Lamb. Lover Lamb. <laughs> Love it. Right, JB, we have um, hit... Your hard, hard limit. Um, so you need to go and pick up your beloved family. But before you do, can we just quickly run through the games this weekend? Yes. So and yeah, if your team plays in the Challenge Cup, be better. Mm-hmm. So Friday night we were hoping to. JB might still go to Northampton. I, so you're definitely not going. I, I really don't think I can, unfortunately. Oh man, you've let JB down. He was so excited about that. I was really seeing big court. Really excited. Is, about is that. there anyone else? Uh, maybe one of the Egg Chasers brethren. I'll Ooh. work something out. Don't I'm contact sure. me, I'll contact you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is Northampton, who are going to beat down on Tim's beloved Bayonne at 8 o'clock on Friday night. I fear you're probably right. Then we have two 1 o'clocks on Saturday, which is Leon hosting Connacht, which Leon are doing very badly in the top 14, but they've won one of two in uh, the Champions Cup, so you'd assume Leon at home. And the other one o'clock is Exeter hosting Glasgow Warriors. Which is obviously the one you're going to be watching. And I'm, I've actually been given some gainful work. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yes. Great news. Uh, not by TNT Sport, but by ITV. So I'll be on ITV for that one. Well done. Fantastic. So, so you can wa- yeah, watch ITV because rather than because you've got both options, you might as well just watch ITV, free to air and all that. Yeah. I was going to mention something about the TV today. Have we got enough time? Yeah, go about on. the comms. Well, Have you got enough time? We're, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're okay. I'm fine. Just... I felt the commentary with Ugo and Ben Kay today on the bath game in the first half was just too negative. Like, Austin Healy's been called off this recently, and I kind of do agree with what people pe- what pe- people are saying. It was, I mean, I think Ugo was like, "Oh, it's a loop. Um, there's a law which is a loophole." And Ben Kay, was that talking about the kicking back and forth? Yeah, the kick tennis. I, I yeah. think it, what they were saying was fair. Because they don't want to see... Yeah, and, and the loophole is one that Antoine Dupont brilliantly exploits for France, where yeah, you're... You stand still with a kick. Yes. As long as you're not... Ch- so when you're um, chasing a kick, 
you're offside if you are moving forward um, until the kicker or someone else has put you onside. But if you stay still, you're okay. And so DuPont, um, it's been highlighted that DuPont has done this intelligently and others uh, are starting to do it as well. Yeah, so I, I think it's fair to have a discussion about that. But on the broader point, I, I, I've thought this for some time and we're by far from the first to say, if if you don't love rugby, how are you going to expect anybody watching yeah. to do? And uh, you mm. brought up many, many times in the past, JB, about the NFL, about Eddie and Steve, Eddie and Steve on the yeah, rugby league. Yeah, yeah. Like, just first and foremost, enthuse about why someone should love it. And when when that's not authentic, like when you hear someone go, this is incredible, three all... <laughs> Bun fight with 27 knock-ons. But yes. Well, you occasionally, if you listen to um, commentary during women's football, I'm not sure, I'm too sure about women's rugby, but women's football, they're Hold often... on, are you going to do a Joey Barton here, Phil? What's going on? <laughs> well, I'll be careful not to say anything about your beloved ITV uh, that you're working yeah, on, Tim. I'm definitely not doing a Joey Barton. Yeah, go but on. sometimes you watch a little bit of play and something is described as a amazing, worldy, or that kind of thing, and it's... It's objectively not to my, <laughs> my yes. eyes. But uh, there is a lesson about women's sport, which is de- no one dare criticise it. And therefore the commentary is overwhelmingly positive. Um, so there is a balance to be struck. I just thought, two things I thought. One, when they have those conversations, what happen, What happens is you enable other people to have the same conversation. So like on our WhatsApp group with a load of other rib players, we start then talking about all the law variations. When actually we want to be talking about the game, and the common mm. stream should be talking about the game. The other thing as well is, it's a weakness in rugby where it doesn't really exist in football, but in rugby it does, because the laws are so much more complex, not rules, laws, that we must change the laws. We must vary the laws again. Everything seems... Thank you, Warren Gatland, for that as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And everything, every problem in rugby seems to have a law change which is needed. And I think even with the ones that they were talking about today uh, I think you said the only option is then to kick it well that wasn't actually the case if you watch the the clip again it makes the kick very very difficult you want kicking to be as dangerous as possible because if you have it as dangerous as possible then it break it breaks up the field of play because you've got to drop more players back you've got to defend the kicks and to prove my point the worst passage of play which we saw in this game was probably right at the end where Gloucester had to run from their own 22 to try and score a try. Mm. And there's no danger of a kick, is there? So because there's no dan- danger of a kick... <laughs> you have how one man think- in the deep. Yeah, yeah, one man back. How far do you think they got? Yeah, yeah. Not very far at all. And that's what rugby would look like if people who talk about depowering kicking got their way. It would look like that and it would be dreadful because nothing would happen well and i've i've sorry you know, go, no, on, go on. i was gonna say i i've um i did a video on something like this on the youtube channel and and the little phrase which i sort of accidentally came up with which but which i think is apt here is nobody in the world cup in those big knockout games no one or the european cup final between la rochelle and leinster which was amazing mm-hmm. no one complained about kicks no one complained mm. about scrums no one complained about reset scrums in those because every small moment meant so much in the in the content so I, yeah. I might have complained at the final scrum in the yes. england south africa match yes um, Slight, slightly one-eyed i hear you but the, but the general point <laughs> but is, other than that no if, loved if, you, it. if you want to solve rugby it is not solved by tinkering with changing laws it is solved by making more moments in matches that you watch more meaningful and that means that's why that would be why i'd be an advocate for relegation in in the premiership because it ma- it makes more moments more meaningful and all the people talking about they want running rugby and stuff, 
it's a bit like Super Rugby. You know, just you it just doesn't mean anything. Well, you yeah. can you can do it once you've got your foundations in place. Yeah. If that's a differential, like the the old Exeter principle, and I've heard Baxi Baxi might have said this uh, in conversation with you, JB, where he said, well, "We we will we will um, maul it and we'll pick and go until we've created space elsewhere, and then we'll go wide." Yeah, because you got if you're stopping us here, if you put in too many resources over here, there's space out here. There's, and that's the best. Exactly. That is by far the best way and, of looking at it. And here, and there's there's the um, Exeter is, is a perfect example. They brought about the change in the law because they were too good and nobody could stop them. They brought in the goal line dropout, which has ob- objectively been a big step backwards. Yeah, yeah I think that's game. a bad. Law. Just on just on the um, the, the pick and goes. Bax is right. You can you can stop it. Do you know how you'd stop it? You'd get a collection of 120 kilogram plus men, and you could stop Exeter. And then they would score bags of tries out wide because mm. your 120 kilogram men couldn't go out wide. And they're exhausted. You know, yeah. there was always a solution to these things, which doesn't require a law change. And I think that law change was particularly p- pernicious because extra built their team to do that. And it takes, what, three or four years to change a team? Mm. It takes at least two years to change a team. And at at least, over, yeah. Overnight. And with, a, was awful, with a restricted salary cap longer. Yeah. But bearing in mind his stock has dropped, and we've talk, uh, you're right, we shouldn't talk about Rob Baxter again. Oh, but bearing in mind his stock... we just love him so much. His stock has dropped because Exeter have gone through. But if he does manage to keep this going, he has to get the top yeah. job. Because with all those resources, he can think of a way yeah. to outfox other teams. Well, it's not even that. I mean, I don't even know if the England job is suitable for him. I'd, I'd skip him, emperor of all rugby. Yeah, I'm up for that. It's just, just Un- under Steve commis- Diamond. Commissioner. Yeah, under Steve Diamond. Yeah. <laughs> um, one very quick thing uh, I mentioned either last week or the week before about the Mark Law that I, I incorrectly said previously you could mark anywhere on the pitch. You could mark anywhere in your own half. Really? Previously. Wow. Oh, I'll tell Until, you about Until do you know when that got changed? When? 1979. Wow. <laughs> uh, but that was that was at the point where you could mark anywhere in your own pitch, uh, in your own half, and you could also kick directly into touch from anywhere. And there is one game between Scotland and Wales that had... So it holds the record of the most line-outs in a single game. Bear in mind there are 80 minutes in a game. How many line-outs do you think there was the record for line-outs? The record for line-outs, 41. 82. 111. <laughs> wow. Anyway. So, uh, just one last thing on marking. The talk H, our scrum was going so well in our loss to Aspel, we called for a scrum from a mark. Yes. yes. Who, did anyone do the Damien Willems, the two fists together? Of yeah. course I did. Uh, and then we won the penalty. <laughs> yes. Right, back to the next week's fixtures. Just um, run through them. I don't, I don't so want any wins. Extra at home to Glasgow. Good. We've got... Only uh, no two three fifteens. Bristol host Bulls and Toulon host Munster. Munster, mm-hmm. Munster and Toulon both need a win. Uh, both def- um, yeah. defeated in both games so far. Should be first. Oh, so actually, sorry, Munster drawn one. Uh, we have two five o'clocks, which is Leinster Stade Francais and Sale travel to Cape Town. To I know this because I was speaking to Rob Dupree in the hairdressers on uh, <laughs> nice. Saturday morning. So you live nearby? Yeah, he lives just up the road. Where does he go? Mm. Um, K-Swiss or... No, not K-Swiss. No, K-Swiss, that's a, that's a, tu- that's a uh, <laughs> trainer's... Um, it is. He goes to Black Sheep Barbers. K-Cuts. Black Sheep Barbers. Oh, that's so, it. Uh, I, I, sat, I sat there and you walked in there. All right, Rob. To uh, get his uh, moustache yeah, sort yeah. of trimmed and he's, shaped. He's looking grand. So mm-hmm. we had a good old chat about all sorts of things. Then, well, he loves it because I bet he doesn't... He will never get spotted in South Manchester. No. No, no. Especially not in Cholton. No. 
No. And he's no. not even like one of the other look- De- one of the other Dupree boys walks in. Like Rob Dupree is tall, but he's not like unusually yeah. large like Jean-Luc or Dan. Yeah, we had a real good we had a good chat about different fitness of different players, who's doing well, who's not doing not well. Proper mm. proper no- uh, it allowed me to have a proper nose. Yeah. Uh final games on Saturday. There's two eight o'clocks. Nobody will be watching Harley Quinn's batter Cardiff. Um Don Brandt going back to his old stomping ground. Mm-hmm. But Everyone will be watching my beloved Ulster at home smash to lose as we have done. That's a great match in the past, and that's that's a repeat of uh, the two legged -legged yeah the two legged quarter final a couple of years ago. Ulster won away at Toulouse and then lost at home. That is the tie of Saturday, I think. And then on Sunday we have a one o'clock Bath host Racing, uh, which is in Pool Two, and. Uh, Bath, Bath, Bath are undefeated. Oh, right. Racing have not yet won a game, so yeah. Bath could Bath could win that. That's huge. Um, La Rochelle host Leicester. Big. That is big. Stuart Lancaster's four. first foray into Europe's going well, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Um, first foray. First foray with uh, Racing ninety two. Yeah, he's, he's top mm. of the top fourteen. So okay. Yeah, swings, swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll just see how it pans out, shall we? <laughs> if he if he signs fast, very well. La Rochelle, so Leicester are undefeated. They're travelling to La Rochelle. La Rochelle have to win. They are currently 0-2. They are outside of... They would currently, if the, the music stopped right now, they would qualify for the Challenge Cup, which would be a an utter disaster for La Rochelle. <laughs> no, no, it'd be an utter disaster for the for Challenge Cup. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be some silverware going to La Rochelle, but it would be a disaster for La Rochelle. Uh, and then the final game, 5.30, Saracens travel to my beloved Bordeaux, where they are going to get taken apart by an amazing Hold scrum. Up. Who would you support if your beloved Ulster played your beloved Bordeaux? Oh, I would be so conflicted. Um, I would support Ulster yeah, in that scenario. To. You've got years of Definitely. Ulster. I would don my... Uh, Ruin Pinar Ulster top or my incredibly tight uh, large boys or small boys Ulster shorts <laughs> and, <laughs> and support Ulster unquestionably on that bombshell uh, <laughs> thank you very much contact edchasers at gmail.com I apologise I haven't looked at the emails and uh, I'll, I'll get through some of those next week and you can get more content at patreon.com slash eggchasers JB you need to get to the airport yeah well I'm going to make some tea first so they, they don't land till half eight let, let the boys oh, out plenty of time 15 minutes Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 